welcome to the Generosity Path podcast, a space for global conversations with people from different walks of life about the impact generosity has had on them. It's a place of inspiration, encouragement, and hopefully joy as we hear about the transforming power and potential of generosity to change the world. Welcome everybody around the world, all our friends of Generosity Path. My name is J. Paul Frydenmaker. And we're excited. I'm here with our founder, Daryl Heald. Uh, we're excited for this to be our first podcast of Generosity Path. And um, we were thinking it would just be fun to hear a little bit from Daryl as we launch this. Daryl is a very good friend of mine. Uh, he and I have known each other now, my goodness, for over 20 years. Um, back into the late 90s and, and quickly became friends because we had a shared uh, passion and love for mobilizing resources for the kingdom of God and for seeing people be generous, just the transformational elements of that. And there's a lot of fun stories that we share together um, over that time. But Daryl is our founder. He's the founder of Generosity Path and he recruited me to come on and join him and help him build Generosity Path about eight years ago. And so, um, and I've been inspired by him. I've, it's been fun to watch him both in business and in ministry. So Daryl, thanks for joining us today. Great to be with you as always. And uh, it's fun to, um, you know, take this, take this message on the podcast. Well, Daryl, let's just get right into it and, and start. And I know a little bit of this story, so I'm excited to for you to share it with all the rest of our friends but just tell us a little bit about how this whole movement got started what drove you to start meeting with your friends and talking about generosity oh thanks that's a it's a good question we it actually started uh for me personally back in 95 when my father-in-law gave me a a book for christmas called money possessions in eternity and um I'd have to say at the time, I, I'm not sure I was uh, particularly thrilled about getting the book uh, as a Christmas gift. Right. Uh, may, maybe hoping for like a you know new new driver or tennis racket or something. But nonetheless, he gave me gave me this book. I really didn't have intention to read it, but uh, I'd have to say I picked up the book one night and I couldn't put it down. Mm. And I realized that um, it was uh, Randy Alcorn's so the author there and it really just started to give me this insight that I just had no idea about just, you know, in the, the biblical message of generosity, just in one sense, God's intent. And the, what I had originally thought and believed was kind of turned on its head. And I thought that was pretty exciting. So, uh, and that was worth, you know, so I started trying to you know ask a bunch of questions and finally found, you know, some other friends that were, that had, uh, were thinking the same way. And we're excited about it. And, you know, this this group kind of came together in the late 90s. And so you guys started actually meeting together and, and talking about this message. And, and what were some of the um, underlying principles that you agreed on when you would meet and talk with people? Like, um, for instance, I'll tell you one that I was aware of at the time is that this is a place we're not trying to pitch each other for ministry um, fundraising and business deals and stuff like that. That was one of your original principles when you started meeting. 
Yeah, I would say even before that, I think one of the questions we ask is if this is, um, you know, is this just new to us or is this something that that in one sense, uh, have we not as a church fully understood what God has intended uh, for us to understand and believe uh, around you know, money, possessions and eternity? Yeah. And that was the, that was really the bigger question. And, uh, and so what was interesting is that, um, you know, the perspective I was bringing was one I was working with uh, the McClellan Foundation and coming at this from a giver standpoint. Uh, and then Todd Harper uh, was working with Campus Crusade at the time, crew now, yep. uh, and, and coming at it from a ministry perspective. David Wills is a state planning attorney. I uh, was working at National Christian Foundation, was coming at this from a perspective of, of a you know, professional advisor. And then Forrest Reinhardt was working at Saddleback Church. Uh, and this was right before Rick Warren wrote his big book, Purpose Driven Life. Um, and he brought the perspective as a as a pastor and, mm-hmm. and a, a church perspective to it. And I think when, when we all were answering that question, is this something that you know, hey, you know, maybe givers understand this, or maybe advisors understand this, and we we all felt like kind of within our constituencies that that we are really missing it, and so that's what motivated us to uh, start generous giving. And what we felt like was the most important thing was not you know where to give or how to give, but why give, mm-hmm. and that was the big missing question uh, that was out there. I think that what we realized is that it seems like a rhetorical question. But in an evangelical context, of course, God wants me to give. So why are you asking me why I, why I should give? Um, but actually, we realize it's, it's the most important question because it's foundational. I mean, this is where the theology lies. The, the how and where becomes more of the tactical and transactional side mm-hmm. of giving. And the why question, you know, traffics in the transformational side. Yeah. You know, I remember those early days back in the early 2000s, and I was on the fundraising side of things. And I would, I would make the journey to Chattanooga to come and meet with you and and your family. And I remember you you saying to me, "Hey, Jay Paul, you know, you can be a part of this, even though you're on the fundraising side, because you can help discover with people what does God want for them." And that's the first thing that you do, you, you look at what does God want for them before you start talking to them about what you need from them. And, and that I remember that. And I remember thinking that it was also special for us, those of us on the fundraising side to be invited to participate in this movement. So I was really grateful for that. Yeah, well, we felt like it was important. One, uh, one, of course, you should, you should be part of it because yeah. you're a giver first. Right. I mean, what, what, right. what you're, yeah. I mean, in one sense, what position you have, um, you know, formally is is kind of secondary. Primarily, we're all givers, and we all need to answer the why question. So whether you're whether you're a pastor, whether you're a professional advisor, whether you're a ministry leader, um, uh, there's no different or no distinction from from that of say just a business person or a giver, uh, or or in my case, you know, a professional giver working at a, a foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, is no, there was no, no distinction. We all need to answer the same thing and understand the truths that the way that God laid it out. Because when Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive, it seems like you know, like a very small, simple phrase, but it's it's loaded with so much uh, truth and freedom in it that that's um, and, and grace mm-hmm. that that's what we you know we all need to we all need to hear that. 
you know, that's what transforms is the truth. You know, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And yeah. there's a, there's beautiful truths, plural behind this promise that God says, as Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than receive. So out of all this, the journey of generosity retreat was developed and it was starting to have amazing success. We were seeing transformation in people's lives all over the place in the U.S. When did you start thinking, I wonder if this might work in India or Nigeria? What was that process? Well, we did specifically start uh, in, in the U.S. Um, and I think just in God's timing, there was, uh, for me, as I transitioned out of the day-to-day leadership and generous giving, um, what did God have for me next? I do feel like, you know, there was a, a very clear call to take this message to the rest of my church. Kind of begs the question, okay, where the rest of the church is, you know, is out there and there's, you know, a couple hundred countries represented, where, where do I go? And, yeah. and God gave me, you know, eight cities uh, to start going and, and, and exploring. Uh, and so for two and a half years, I started uh, traveling to those cities and, and meeting with all different types of, you know, people, pastors, uh, ministry leaders, uh, givers, business people, and exploring what the opportunity was and the potential was uh, globally. But it was, uh, uh, I, I, you know, quite a bit of travel and, uh, and, and <laughs> since no results, no results for uh, a while, literally two and a half years. Did you get kind of a little bit frustrated, depressed by that? Like, what were you thinking was happening? Yeah, I have to say that my expectations were it would have happened in a couple months, not, a, okay. <laughs> not over not over two years. I, well, I'm an optimistic person, and I thought, no, oh, it works here. Uh, so this would be easy story to tell, right? Uh, because we had already had momentum uh, here. But the thing I had already failed to, you know, or, or I had forgotten was even here, uh, the first few years of generous giving were were um, a pretty strong headwind. Most yeah. people were thinking, um, yeah, I'm not sure I need to really answer the why question. What what do you what are you really doing here? And so there was yeah. Um I think when you're when you're dealing in the realm of money and giving and things like that, a lot of people become, you know, guarded and skeptical. And uh probably even more so as as some American going into you know a bunch of these places and talking about it uh cross culturally, it was uh there were some it was just difficult, I think, for them yeah. to uh, in, engage. Well, I remember I was with you during those days, and I remember all the efforts to get everything translated. But let's talk about, Daryl, what's happened since then. Um, the movement has scaled significantly. So here's a quiz for you. Being that I'm your colleague and we work together, um, I'll ask you about how many languages and countries are we in today? I think we're in 70 countries. We, we've done Journeys of Generosity in 70 countries, and I think 33 languages. Yeah, that, that's that's very close. I think I would probably say 30 languages, although when you okay. think, look at the languages we've gotten started in and haven't necessarily completed, uh, we might get, be getting up to that level. Um, I know that as of the end of 2019, uh, we had done over 550 of these retreats around the world. And that's just the journey of generosity, not some of the other experiences that we've had the privilege of developing, like the Giving Plan Retreat and stuff like that. So, praise God. Absolutely. What do you think about the future of the movement? 
Daryl, like, especially in light of we're in a, a completely new normal, all of these disruptive changes in our world, some of which may never go away. What do you think about the future of the movement? Well, first of all, I would say, I mean, there's, there's so much um, fear and anxiety and uh, distrust and unrest in so many places um, yeah. that I, I, I just believe this is, um, uh, you know, the world needs generous givers more than ever right now. And so I think, well, I, I, well, I, I really believe that the biblical message of generosity um, is uh, the most winsome apologetic for the gospel. Mm. And the thing I love about giving is it's very tangible, right? I mean, you, you know whether you're giving or not. Right. Um, and, and people know that. And so um, that's why we love telling these stories, because uh, uh, stories show, you know, the application of belief. And these stories change givers as well as, um, as, well as the receivers. And that's what I believe God has been orchestrating. If we think about, you know, just in the last uh, five years to kind of go from, you know, zero to 70 countries and 30 languages um, is, is not something that, you know, that I don't, you know, that we, we couldn't have manufactured ourselves. And uh, we can only see this as God's movement. That, that's not just hypothetical. We, we know that people that have, you know, come into the family, into the kingdom, you know, in the midst of these um, uh, journeys of generosity, in the midst of sharing the, the grace, the uh, amazing grace that's embedded in uh, biblical generosity. Uh, and it just has, you know, led uh, people of all faiths to, you know, to the king. That's and right. that's super exciting. Um, the other thing that that has surprised me that we, we didn't see happen in the U.S., but we are seeing happen uh, globally is this message um, going to the whole church, certainly all cultures, but uh, also all social economic levels. In the U.S., we had started with our peer group, uh, which, were, which was the business community, right. and, uh, and, and in some ways had not really expanded our reach yet into other parts of the social economic spectrum. So one of the things that it has surprised us is seeing this message take hold in really desperate economic circumstances, um, places like Venezuela that, you know, have been and experiencing a million percent hyperinflation. Right. And uh, Zimbabwe, which has also been one of the worst performing economies in the last 10, 15 years. And then other places like, you know, Romania that has been also struggling, but uh, up and coming. And so, I mean, I just love that. I love the, I love seeing because God, you know, God's truth is for everyone. So regardless of age, culture, socioeconomic circumstance, wherever you find that truth is real and uh, relatable. That's why, you know, we, we do have, we have stories of generosity in scripture from some of the wealthiest people ever that lived on earth, like, you know, King David, King Solomon, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, but we also have the you know beautiful story of the widow's mite, um, and um, so I think you know this this whole thing even even for someone that's been in this for a long time, it's you know it's kind of easy. We think well yeah it's only natural to take a generosity message to those that have money and just spend all your time on them. You know what? That's not how God does the math. 
that's been a big lesson that uh, that I've learned. And I, I mean, I just I'm I'm thrilled about it. I, I think that the opportunity uh, for this message to go to you know any country uh, and any person at any socioeconomic level is yeah. we we know that we know that that. Uh, one, I believe, this is what God's intent is, and and um, and we've seen it played out. That's been really one of the more fun things, more of the surprising things that I've seen happen. Beautiful, and I, and one of the reasons we're doing this podcast, you and I, in the coming weeks and months, and our colleagues on Generosity Path team, we're going to be just having these conversations with people and hearing some of these stories. So. Now, so as we close this one out, Daryl, let's let's bring it home to you personally. Um, I know that one of the things that you love to do is create a feast for people, um, to be a host, uh, to be hospitable. Um, tell us a story. Let's end this podcast with hearing a story from you personally of how you get to express your own generosity and build relationships in your own community. I'm a Texan and, and I think a lot of Texans are born just wanting to smoke meat. And so that was my grandfather uh, taught me how to do this. And it's something I just love to do for my family and friends. And God did give me um, a great friend about 12 years ago, uh, um, Dennis Johnson, and we started a ministry because we both love smoking meat and and we wanted to do something encouraging in our community. We wanted to do that together as brothers in Christ. And um, so we started this ministry called Smoking for Jesus. Uh, last year, we did 27 events. We've had you know, thousands of people. Uh, we were in um, uh, most of the federal housing projects and all the, uh, during the summer, during the, the, the summer rec centers that the city owns for, for youth. And, um, and we bring what we call the the aroma of Christ. We pull a big smoker with a lot of good, a lot of good food on it uh, into these communities, into these neighborhoods and and housing projects, and um, uh, yeah, just bring the good news uh, with great food and fun thing to be able to do. Oh yeah, it's amazing. And if any of you ever have a chance to be with Daryl, be sure to ask him some of the stories. It's it's both hilarious and just amazing to see what's happened through that. So, Daryl, it's great to work with you. I appreciate you, man. That's a real privilege. Thanks for letting let me share. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Generosity Path podcast. Pay it forward by rating, sharing, and subscribing. To find out more about connecting your own passions and purpose with your giving, visit generositypath.org or engage in the conversation by following us on social media. Let's make the world a better place.